0: Hi everyone, my name's Charlene and today I have the privilege of speaking to you on the third part of our series, What on Earth is the Church? And today I'll be following on from Phil and Simon's talk. As a prophetic person, I don't know if there's any prophetic people who can identify with this, but I often feel that I live the message before I bring a message. And so interestingly enough, four weeks ago we completed on our new house after a very, very long process really excited to move into our new house, but we hadn't quite realized the size of the project we had taken on. And as we went in to kind of assess what needed to be done, we realized very quickly that we needed help. So one of the things we did is we invited our friends and our community to come and have painting parties with us um, and just help us out with the DIY. And it was so good to see so many amazing people turn up to serve and to love us in this way. It was great. We all wore our special painting clothes, and um, we just spent loads of time together stripping off wallpaper, and just being in this mess together um, of a construction site, really. And I felt like, It was precious moments of community. We got the opportunity to pray for people. We got the opportunity to share our hearts, to hear people's stories, to um, have discipleship moments and teaching moments. And there just were so many special moments where it felt like friendships went deeper and community was really solidified. And I just was reflecting on this and I feel like God speaks to me about what He is doing um, in the church in this season and I don't know if you've heard if you've got friends or you've um, maybe heard other people talking about people feeling like the church is maybe not relevant anymore or it's something they feel doesn't quite meet their needs or they like parts of it, but not all of it. But there's been another side of the story where loads of people have discovered that they need community and the church is a great place for it. And so we've had loads of new people joining the church. But the great thing about the church is that Jesus loves the church and he says, He will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus is into construction. He's into building. He's into restoration. And I wonder if in this season, um, maybe there's bits of our heart and our minds that Jesus is wanting to renovate. Maybe they need some work. Maybe he wants to renew some of our thoughts. Maybe he wants to work on our hearts in this season as we realize that we are the church and the church is called to be a city on the hill. We are called to be those that carry hope and love and share the good news of Jesus. And we get to be a light to those that are around us through this picture, God has spoken to me about the way that He sees the church, that He sees the seen and the unseen. And, And the church has not always been on the right side of history. There's been moments that we can look back at and really not be proud of. And there's been moments where the church has really stepped up. And at the same time jesus still loves the church he still wants to build it and just because we've messed up doesn't mean that he still doesn't have good plans for us he crea- he is creator and he created the church for a purpose and it's a beautiful place to worship together just even moments when we were in the house together with people just playing worship music together and eating together um it was just beautiful moments of feeling the presence of god and Jesus is restoring his church. He is calling us out of a place of hiddenness into a place where we get to set an example. We, we get to show people who Jesus really is by the way that we live and the way that we um, carry ourselves. And unfortunately, there'll be people who are listening to this who haven't always had good experiences. And I'm really sorry about that. Um, we are broken people. We are hurting people and hurt people hurt people. But Jesus wants to raise us up as those who um, love on people really well. I'm convinced that Jesus loves the church, and because He loves the church and I love Him, I get to partner with Him in loving the church. And if we align our hearts with Jesus, there's no ways that we can't love the church because He is building the church. His church is glorious and wonderful, and He's calling us not only to be attendants of a church meeting, but to be participators, to be the living stones of the church that He is building. He's a dad who loves to see His children come together as we're brothers and sisters in Christ, as we come together and encourage each other and worship together and spur each other on in the faith, Jesus loves that. The Father loves it when we come and He comes amongst us. I just want to refer to the text that we've been reading over the last two weeks, which is Acts 2 verse 36 all the way to 47, but I'm just going to read from verses 42 today. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they have received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved we've looked at over the last two weeks the church is a community where jesus is king the one who has brought people home to the father and empowers them with his spirit to live in grace-filled obedience to his word they follow god-appointed servant leadership and devote themselves to a culture of love and cross-centered family as they worship and pray together. Today, we're going to focus on the last bit, which is they live with radical compassion, believing for signs and wonders as they share and demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom and multiply disciples to the ends of the earth. So let's start with the first bit, which is how do we become a church that carries radical care for those in need inside and outside of the church? We're referring to verse 45, which is and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Now, the early church is characterized by a few key features. They listened to the apostles teaching. They ate and lived together. They prayed together. They shared all they owned. The new believers came from all over the Roman Empire. They needed housing. They needed food. And the Holy Spirit worked within the members of the early church to make sure that everybody had enough. It was a work of the Spirit of God. Wealth is not a bad thing, but wealth without purpose, without withholding it from those in need, is worthless. I love that Jesus taught His disciples that we, it is better to accumulate treasures in heaven than wealth on this earth, that we are building up treasures in heaven and that actually everything we have on this earth will eventually go, but we get to live with Him in eternity and build up wealth there. I mean, what an amazing thought. I love that Jesus taught His disciples this, that it was actually something that He understood and He knew and a beautiful example of people understanding that was um, when Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus. He used to be a greedy man. He used to um, want to hoard up more money than than he should have really. And an encounter with Jesus changed his heart and therefore changed his actions. After an encounter with Jesus, broke over his heart and over his life. And he wanted to give money back to those that he had deceived or stolen from. And he wanted to be a generous man. In the early church, we see that as it grows and spreads, so does generosity. And when we see that Jerusalem is faced with famine, if you read about this in Acts 11, 27 to 30, that is the church in Antioch that will support them we are called to be those that step in when there is a need and care and care for those. The simple answer is that we carry the heart of the father in us. And as we align our heart with Jesus, we become those who are selfless, who are generous, and who are compassionate to those around us and those who are in need. The thing is about the generosity that we're talking about today, the compassion we're talking about today is that it's radical and costly. And I know we live in a society where Um, there's loads of charities, there's loads of support from governmental schemes and social systems to take care of the homeless and those in need. And to the point where we've even got an amazing project ourselves called King's Arms Project that takes care of the homeless beautifully. And they just share the most amazing stories. But my question today is, when has it cost you your time and your money to care and even your resources to care for those in need, for somebody else. When has it been costly for you to take care of somebody else? I love that the Father puts that in our hearts to take care of others. My daughter, Caitlin, she's phenomenal at this. She's probably the person who is the quickest to be compassionate in any situation that I've known. When we see homeless people or people struggling on the streets, she wants to give of her own pocket money and has it done a number of times or give away our money or purchase food or just bless and demonstrate the heart of Jesus to those that are in need. And that's a beautiful demonstration of who we're called to be as sons and daughters that We know the Father wants to bless and we get to partner with Him. Jesus gave His life for us and promises us. If we read in Luke 6 verse 38, He promises us when we give of what we have, we will receive a reward for it. That's not why we do it. We do it to imitate the Father. Secondly, we expect the presence of God with signs and wonders. You see this in verse 43, when all came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Throughout the Bible, we see the disciples and followers of Jesus perform miracles that validate the message that they're bringing. The, the point of ministry is not the miracle itself, but it's the message that we bring with it, that Jesus is alive and He is powerful and he loves. Early on, Jesus sent the disciples on to heal the sick, cast out demons and exhort people to repent of their sins. And then he gives them the Holy Spirit in Acts 1 verse 8, so that they are full of wisdom and power to see these things happen. And the Holy Spirit works in the hearts of people as we as we partner with him, as we see him move and we see him change situations. Um, I don't know if you know Greek, but I wonder in its Greek form is actually terrace, and it means it is a miracle that reveals a hidden truth, just like how the Transfiguration revealed Jesus' glory and deity. And signs is from the Greek word semion, and sign. The sign is that a person who performs the miracle is special and chosen by God. You've been chosen by God. You've been chosen to, by God to partner with Him, and He wants to operate through you and He wants to use you to see His kingdom come. And we get to be those that carry an expectation in our hearts, knowing that Jesus loves to operate in ways we don't know or understand. Signs and wonders are a beautiful thing. They point us towards Jesus. They're not just signs for signs' itself. And as we gather together to worship, even now where you are, you. You can ask Jesus to come and do something um, new and powerful. You can ask Him to demonstrate His ways that are, are beautiful to you. I remember years and years ago, I was leaving a church meeting and we had a beautiful meeting with Jesus, but I just felt in my heart that something was still going to happen. And as I left the auditorium, I probably was about five meters away from the back doors when I just felt like I walked into a thick mist and felt the presence of God and felt a bit overcome by it. And I'd seen on my hands that there had been like um, sparkles of gold dust. And as my friends were coming out, I told them, come, Jesus is doing something in this spot, in this place. And as they all came um, to meet, In that same spot, they encountered Jesus in a powerful way. And as we were just um, in wonder of what Jesus was doing, another girl joined us that I knew not very well, but she began to weep as she was standing with us. And days later, I heard the story that she had actually given up on her faith and said to Jesus that day, if you don't meet with me today, Jesus, then I don't know if I can follow you. I don't know if I can give my life to you. I don't know if I can come back to church. And she went to a meeting asking Jesus to meet with her and nothing happened as she left the meeting disappointed but as she left she walked into that place where Jesus was encountering us with signs and wonders in that moment and he knew her heart and he knew his love was going to be poured out on her and he met her in a powerful way that day. The reality is I don't know why Jesus does signs and wonders but I know that he knows and I know that they are powerful pointers to who he is and that they can change the hearts of men and women. So let's be those that, that break off any box that we've put on who God is and what he can do and what he should do. And let's give him space and let's be expectant for him to come and move in powerful ways. Thirdly, we get to declare the gospel of the kingdom. Peter declared in verse 36, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Jesus promised the apostles and other Jesus followers that they were going to spread the message in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as Peter's addressing this crowd, they're mainly Jews, but he's he's speaking on behalf of what Jesus has already said, that this message is for everyone. This, is, this message is for the earth, that Jesus came to save all of us and die for all of us. Most of us think that You know, sharing the gospel is for the evangelists, it's for the extroverts, it's for those that can do it really well. But actually we've been saved and rescued and we get to share our story. We get to share that message with those that we encounter, that the Holy Spirit leads us to, with those that we do life with. And sometimes we just need to follow the Holy Spirit prompting or actually just the compassion that Jesus has put in our heart. I remember, um, reading a a, a quote that said sometimes our life is the is the only Bible that people will read. And I thought that's great. All I have to do is live a life that imitates Jesus in in a nice way, in a very good way. You know, I'll be an upstanding citizen and that will show people that I follow Jesus. And so I remember having a job in London, and I worked with a manager. And I told her I was a Christian. I told her I read the Bible. She knew I went to church, and so I thought, job done. She knows I'm a Christian. I'll be good at what I do, and then the one in one will make two, and she'll, you know, she'll know that Jesus is alive at some point. But I had a bir- like a party. It wasn't a birthday party. I had a party where um, my friends and invited some Christian friends and my other friends. Um, and she was at that party. And I remember one of my Christian friends did a really Christian thing and said, let's all say something loving and nice about Charlene um, what we value about her. And it was all warm and fuzzy until it got to my friend who then said, after loads of people had shared about my faith and church stuff and worshiping stuff. She said, Johnny, why didn't you never ever tell me about your faith? Why did not you share with me and what everybody else is saying in the room? And it was at that moment that I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit that actually sometimes actions are not enough. We need to use our words because our words are powerful. And I had missed an opportunity day in and day out to share with her the love of Jesus and the gospel message of Jesus, that He had died and rose again for her, that He had forgiven all her sins. And I knew from that moment that actually God had given me words to use and words are powerful. So I wanna challenge you today And I know it's difficult. It's almost easier to share the gospel with strangers than it is with people you do life with. But I want to challenge you today that sometimes people need to hear the words out your mouth. You need to share the gospel message because it's a good message. It's a life transforming message with them. Fourthly, raising, multiplying disciples. So in verse 47, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. You see the difference between having dinner guests over for a meal and having family is that the dinner guests come, you have great chat, they consume your food and they leave. But family are the people that stay, family are the people that help wash up the dishes, that put all the food away, that help entertain the kids, that can deal with the chaos of life. And the difference is is that Jesus has called us into family. So we have the privilege of not only leading people to the cross, but then walking with them on their journey of discovering what the Bible says and who they're called to be. And and you don't have to be a theologian to be somebody who disciples you don't have to be somebody who has all the answers you get you are called into be a spiritual mother and father to those around you you're called to model something of what Jesus has done in your own heart you get to give out love freely you get to speak with the wisdom that you have from your own life you get to shape you get to you get to learn as well but the point is that you're not you're not needing a qualification to make disciples. you need to, you need to know Jesus. you need to have a heart that is he surrendered to his. you need to dive into his words and, and speak those, those same words out with wisdom. Who is Jesus inviting into your life to disciple? Who has he brought into your life that you can speak into that you can give yourself to in ways that grow them and stretch them and encourage them. My conclusion today is that we are the church. We are the living stones of the church. We are like coals that are put together. When we put together, we burn brightly, and the heat intensifies, and f- fans of f- flames or fan into flame. And it's a beautiful illustration of of Jesus getting us together as a community, even even as we gather on a Sunday. That. We're not called to be those that isolate ourselves. We're not called to be lonely coals out in the cold. We're called to be those that gather together and spur each other on and be like iron sharpening iron. My question today is, do you burn for him? Are you a part of a community and a church that allows you to be with believers that sharpen you? Are you a participator of a church or just a spectator? Are you involved in community? Are Are you coming with expectation? Are you giving away freely what you have received? Do you want to be those that carry courage in your hearts, to fully give your heart to Jesus and be a part of the glorious church that he has called you to? Amen.